you're new to VC, if you're new here, um, just know it's an honor. I consider it a high honor that you just take time to come hang out with us. And uh, if you need anything, find somebody that has one of the I'm here to help uh, stickers on, and they will get you anything you need. I also wanted to take a sec this morning and, um, and just give a quick shout out and, and thank you to our dream team, but in specifically to our, uh, to our nursery dream team. Um, they have been full over there. I don't know, I, somebody asked me the other day what our secret was, and I, I think I figured out, I think it's Melanie's prayer, because um, we're going to have like 12 babies in 2022, we're going to have like 12 babies, and we've already started on, hold on, and we've already started on 23, you guys have figured something out, but what a great way to grow a church, but that says to me that we're healthy, but it also says to me that next door with the team that's next door, they're even more important because we just don't take the, the kids and just babysit them. They're prayed over. God is put into their lives. If you ask them when they get done, even from the smallest, two, three, four years old, they'll be able to tell you something about God that day. And those, that team does a great job, and um, I'm really proud of you guys over there. But they got a lot of babies coming. So if, if that's something that you think you're interested in, uh, what Melanie was talking about, join us in that One Step Connect. We'll get you connected to the nursery so you can serve and take care of those babies and uh, change the next generation at the earliest age. Amen? All right, we're going to jump into our series. We're doing the Beatitudes. If you didn't know, the Beatitudes are eight statements that Jesus makes in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, um, it was a, a really long message that's most people will tell you it happened in one day, but it probably didn't. It probably happened over the course of several days. And Jesus makes these statements, and he not only makes them, but he makes things, statements about things he's living out and things that he expects us to live out. And he's giving us these examples. If you've missed the previous ones, you can go catch those on our podcast or the video on demand, YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, just Google it, and Google will take you right there. But I want to read you today's, and I'm going to warn you, today's is a little difficult. It, and it's hard, for, it's, this one's hard for me. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, that God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Again, it's something that's really opposite of what society today tells us to do. It goes against our culture. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably not what you want to hear your pastor say. And if you're visiting today, just um, be grateful you have a pastor. <laughs> but this one's hard. This one's hard for me. Because the way I'm wired and the, the, the way I see life is, honestly, part of me thinks the old, the old adage that you do the crime, you do the... In other words, you, you do something, you get what you get, right? And that's just... It's not a bad thing to think, and I st I'm not changing, I'm not saying that people break the law and there should be no consequences, or, you know, people do wrong things, there's no consequences. But when you really look at what mercy is, that gets hard. And it, and it's, it, it wants to become a gray area, but the Bible's really not. So let me show you what actually the Webster's definition of mercy is. Mercy is compassion or kindly forbearance. Some of you who work in a bank will recognize that term. We'll talk about it in a minute. Shown especially to an offender. In other words, somebody who's hurt your feelings or to, uh, to another under one's power. 
It's something that, that forbearance, it's a debt that you, you owe somebody because you've done something wrong or you've, you've failed in some way. You see, on one side of the coin, you have this thing called grace. And grace is giving something to someone they do not deserve. This is what God did through Jesus to us. We didn't deserve it. He didn't have to do it. Then you have what this beatitude is talking about, mercy. Mercy is withholding something someone does deserve. I've talked about it with my kids as they've grown up and they deserve. I told them, you're going to be spanked. And then I will not spank them and explain to them what mercy is. I'm having mercy on you. It doesn't make what you did right. It doesn't change what you did. But mercy is you deserve the spanking, but I'm not going to give it to you. And see, this is hard because we want, we want to get after people. Sadly, even Christians, if you think about it, and again, I'm going to ask you to kind of internalize today because I did this week as I was preparing. We've become really good at being merciless. As church, and there, sadly, there are churches that have no mercy on people. They want you to change and fix yourself before you come to church, or you've got to get everything right before you come to church. And they point out everything you do. In society today, we're destroying people. Or today's today's term is you've been canceled. The whole cancel culture that says, well, if you've done something wrong or something we don't agree with, it doesn't even have to be wrong. It's just something we don't agree with. We're going to make sure you don't exist and your word don't exist and you get no other chances and you're forever forever banished from, from humankind. We almost gloat. And this one hurts. I tell you, as a pastor, this one hurts. Because that I've had friends that are in ministry in other states and other churches that have hit hard times. Some, if I told you who they were that I know personally, have fallen in some really public ways. And it hurts my heart when we as a church say, see, I told you all you guys, all of you, and we lump them all in, and then we tell them they're all bad, and you're unredeemable. Well, that's a big rock to throw, don't you think? If you tell somebody you're unredeemable, your, your value is no more, then you better not slip. And it, it's, it, it's really difficult for me. But see, we've, we've become good at this. We've become great at prosecuting other people's sin, right? We can point it out. We can say, oh, yeah, I see your, your issue, brother, and we list it out. Oh, ma'am, here's your issue, and we list it out. And here's your problem, and you need to fix this, and here's what you're going to... And we prosecute it, just like a lawyer presents a case to a judge. And we present it to society and say, this person's guilty. They've hurt me. They've done me wrong. They've said things about me. They, I need to, they need to be canceled. And we want to expose them. And, and, and the, our perspective is there's no way they get a second chance. Because if they get a second chance, they're going to do it to me again, Right? So therefore, we withhold mercy. But the other side of this is, we are great defense lawyers of our own sin. Our own mess. Now, either as a child or people who have children, they're currently doing it to you. When they've been busted and they're, they're, you've busted them doing something wrong and they're caught dead to rights, what do they immediately do? They go into justifying and explaining it. Well, I, I, I can tell you why I did, because this person said this, and Daddy, I thought this, and, th- and they begin to explain it. Well, we do, our, we do the same thing. We explain, we legally defend our own mess. We justify why we did what we did and how it's different. 
than, oh, I know this person just did it too, but it's different. I deserve a second chance. We live this attitude that, I, that I'll show you, you get what you deserve, but I don't, I'm not going to get what I deserve. And we almost hold on to it. We expect people to show us mercy, but then when, we sh- when somebody else says, hey, well, I need to have mercy shown in my life. And I'm telling you this as somebody who it's hard because there's part of me, and I'm just being honest here, that says, again, you've done wrong. You need to pay the price. You plant weeds, you get weeds, right? It's just part, it's the way God created nature, but it's not what the Bible says about mercy. Because if I'm honest, this may be some of your thoughts, because this is mine and I'm just going to put it on the, on the screen. I understand the idea of mercy. Are y'all with me? I under I, the, the idea of not giving you what you deserve. God had mercy on us. He didn't give us what we deserve, which was to be mushed like a grape because we screwed it up. That's what we deserve. And I can, I, I'm sure you think that with like, like I do. But here's the other side of it. But you're asking me to be merciful? I'm not sure I can do that. I don't know that I know how to do that, whether it be friends or family. That what Jesus is telling us in these Beatitudes, as we talked about in weeks before, is he's asking us to live these things out, to walk these things out, that this should be daily. should be something going on in our life every day. But I, but I, I get it that it's hard. So what I did, I said, well, God... Give me some ways that I can have the right perspective of mercy, and I'll give it to them. And, and I actually stole this message from a guy I follow because it was just too good. And I, and I took it and kind of chewed on it all week, and you're going to get what's been in my heart all week. But see, it's really about perspective. It's about remembering where you were. It's about looking back and going, wow, I was there. God's brought me here. And then somebody else walks up to you, and instead of you judging them, for, they were standing in the same spot you were standing in last year, dealing with the same issue, the same hurts, maybe doing the same things. So I want to give you a couple ways to help, help you walk this out. I want to give you your perspectives first, some things I think you need, we need to remember. The first thing is we need to remember God always shows us mercy. That's a great place to say amen. If you knew what was facing us without that mercy, you would jump up and say amen. God always shows us mercy. Well, I don't always feel it. That doesn't mean he hasn't shown it. Because we say, well, God, I still go through this. Yeah, but what would have happened if God hadn't shown you mercy? How much worse would it have been? Look what the Bible says. This says in, in Lamentations. It says God's loyal love. Could, could never run out. His merciful love could have never dried up. And they're created new when? Every morning. I, any, anybody a morning person? Who's a morning person? Like to get up early? Come on, be proud of it. Own it. Y'all are all crazy. <laughs> you have your own special place in heaven where they're going to let y'all get up early and the rest of us are going to sleep in. But this is when I get up in the morning this week, I thought this every morning. God, I don't know what I'm going to do wrong today. I may mess up, but God, what I deserve, you're not going to give me because your mercy's new this morning. I didn't use it up yesterday. Anybody, maybe in your marriage, ever thought, 
oh, I've used up all my mercy and I screwed up today because yesterday was really bad, but today I really messed up and she's going to let me have it. See, that's the way humans work. But the Bible says that God's mercy is new every morning and that when it's applied to us, God says, I expect you to then in turn react a certain way. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, forgive us of our sins as we've forgiven those who what? Sinned against us. The NIV version uses the word debt. Debt, like you, you charge your credit card or you take a loan, you have debt. But if we really look at it, the better translation of the word, that word in the original language is bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is something you're saying, well, I can't pay it. If you've ever been in a place where you had to file bankruptcy, you're saying, I have this debt, I can't pay them. This, this is the kind of debt that you can work and work and work and never be able to pay. You can't earn enough in life. You see, your perspective should be this. If I can't earn God's forgiveness, I can't force people to earn mine. Remember, remembering that God always has mercy, but my perspective in this is I'm trying to force this person to earn my forgiveness, and I didn't have to earn God's. The Bible said it was a free gift that he gave it to us, that through Jesus we were able to say, God, I'm sorry. See, remember that we were headed to a place that nobody really wants to think and talk about without the mercy of God showing up. And Jesus in this beatitude is saying, hey, if you want mercy, you need to show mercy. Because the truth is the forgiven forgive, and those who have received mercy show mercy. I'm telling you, this was hard for me. It, it's uh, wrapping my brain around God. This is every time, yes. You remember in the Bible, this is not in your notes if you're following us on the live notes. There's a verse where Peter says, God, well, how many times do I need to forgive them? And Peter thought he was going to say a lot, like seven times. And what did Jesus say? Anybody remember? Jesus said back to him, he goes, no, 70 times seven. That equates... I forget the math. We figured it out one day. That equates to you forgiving two or three people every three minutes if you didn't sleep for 24 hours a day. If you just stayed up and couldn't sleep, that's you forgiving somebody three times every couple minutes. So Jesus was obviously saying, hey, it's not running out. Just like my mercy's new, your mercy needs to be new. So the forgive and forgive, those who receive mercy, show mercy. Now, number two, before they put it up, Let me just warn you, this is some stark reality. I wish every time we come in here and I try to give you my dry wit and my terrible humor and we, we leave with some laughter and some joy, and we still can. But number two is something that we need to, I need everybody to hear. Because if I don't, you're not, I'm not doing my job. You need to know this. It's truth for everyone, everyone here, everyone, the sound of my voice online, everyone that may say, I don't even believe there is a God. This does not change. This is true. And that is everyone will face God someday. Everyone. I'm not going into, I, we're, I'm planning maybe later on to do another series on Revelation and the end times. And the short of it is, there's a thing, 
there's these thrones, these judgment seats that God sits on. And one of them is we stand there and it's when God says, okay, your name's in, in the book or it's not. And everybody has to go there. It's not like you choose, yeah, I'm not going to travel today. I'm just going to skip this one. Every human will face this. And my job is to prepare you. Because the test is coming and you have to answer, is, is your name in the book or is it not? And I don't know about you, but I want you prepared for the test. Anybody ever, I don't know, I did this. I still have dreams. I'm 47, went through master's degree in college, and I still wake up some mornings and go, <gasps> test. Anybody still have those? Like, what was it on? I don't know. What subject? I don't know. I just know I have a test today, and I wake up, and then I think, oh, wait a minute. That was 20 years ago. No, I don't. And then I have that piece, ha-ha, somebody else does. Not me. Mabel, I was studying with Mabel the other day. She was, Melanie and I were asking her questions for one of her tests, and she got to a place and she realized that she didn't have the answer that she needed because that, that question was going to be on the test, but she either missed the answer or the teacher didn't give them the answer. And she knew all, all the other 99, but she didn't know that one. And if you know Mabel, she, went on, she was on a mission. Like, I can't rest. i got to know that answer because if the teacher asks me, I have to know. See, I want you that ready for this test so that we can stand before God and he opens the book and you can confidently go, my name's there. I'm not perfect. I didn't get it all right. God, you forgave me, but my name's in that book. And if I don't prepare you, then I, I failed what God's asked me to do. I want to give you the verse. I'm going to show you this verse. And this is the verse right after the Lord's Prayer. That we all say, even people who aren't saved know it because you've been forced to hear it and you hear it go over. But this is the verse coming right after that. And in Matthew 6, verse 14, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. I'm telling you, this verse, if there's any verses in the Bible that make me kind of take pause, it's these two verses. Now look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not. That's some of the most powerful words in the Bible. Will not. You don't hear that from God a whole lot of things, but he says it right here. Your father will not forgive your sins. I'm telling you, for years I just kind of glossed over this because... I wanted to be able to hold on. Somebody had something I, against, I had some against somebody, I needed to be able to hold on to that because it, it gave me some kind of power. It made me feel like I'm doing something. It wasn't. The devil was lying to me, keeping me from showing people mercy, keeping me from doing what God asked me to do. But I just kind of glossed over this. There's a, a verse, and later in, in Matthew 8, I think it's Matthew 18, I'll show it to you in a minute. There's a story about a king who forgives a man's debt. The man goes to the king and says, King, I've got this debt. I'm bankrupt. I can't pay it. In the same way, we would look at Jesus and go, you want me to pay for my sin, but I can't. I can't. We can't do it. There's not, there's not enough time in the day. I can't be good enough to, to pay it. So the king says to this man, and I'm going to give you the modern numbers. There's the numbers in the Bible, but I'm, we converted it to today. It would be the equivalent of you going to the king and say, King, I owe you $5 billion with a B. 
and I'm asking you to forgive it. I don't know about you, but anybody else, a billion is a lot of money. This is yes, this is no. Now, if you're all comfortable with billion, then I got some projects we need to talk about. A billion doesn't shake you at all? Come see me. We got some work for Jesus we can do. But billion to most of us, and if you really are, we're all really honest, for most of us in the room, you can work all of your lives 24 7, 88, 80, 90 hours a week, and you're going to get nowhere near a billion dollars if you saved everything you earned. So this man goes to the king and says, and asks to be forgiven. The man, then is, he's forgiven. The king forgives his debt. The man then turns and goes to somebody who owes him money, has him thrown in jail to pay the debt until he pays the debt. The modern day number for that was $10,000. Now, don't get me wrong. $10,000 is a lot of money. But most of us could feasibly over a lifetime pay a little bit and pay off $10,000. I know. Some of y'all have toys that cost more than that, right? So here's a man who was just given $5 billion in relief, and he goes to the man and says, you owe me $10,000, and at that time, somebody owed you money and they wouldn't pay you, you'd have them put it in jail, and they would stay in jail until they paid you, which I don't get. I don't know how that works. You don't, can't earn money in jail, but that was their custom. So this is the verse coming right after the Lord's Prayer, the king, and this is... And then now we're to chapter 18 for the story. The king then called the man and, had for, and he had forgiven and told him, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you begged me. Because you begged because you had no other way, no other way to pay this note that was due. Look what it says in verse 33. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? When you put this in perspective of we all have a debt that we couldn't pay, there's no way for us to pay it. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't serve enough. There's nothing we can do that stands alone. The Bible says that Jesus' free gift of paying our debt stands up by itself. It's just simply to be received. You can't pay it. And the king is telling the guy who's been forgiven you should have had shown him the same mercy. The story ends by the king has him thrown in jail, which ends up being a life sentence because he can't pay the debt. Look what the Bible says in James. James takes it even further. He says, so whatever you do or whatever you say or whatever you do, remember, we're all going to face the law one day. We're going to face the judgment seat. We're going to stand before God. And there's something that sets us free. And the Bible says that, that that what Jesus did sets us free. And then it goes on in the next verse and says, there will be no mercy for those who have shown no mercy. And then there's this word that as, an, as an adult, as a parent, this next word can drive you up the wall. Kids tell you everything they've done, they've done wrong, but then say, but. If I just say, but, then everything I said just doesn't count, but I'm about to give you the justification for everything. But look what this says. But if you have been merciful, then God will be merciful when you stand before the one that's going to ultimately judge your soul. This is, why, this is what the Bible's talking about when it talks about judging others. About I'm, I'm judging your sin and ignoring my own. 
One verse, one verse in the Bible says, I, I pay attention to the speck of sawdust in your eye, yet I've got a telephone pole-sized chunk in mine. I just ignore my own problems because I'm persecuting yours. This says, hey, when you stand before God, those who have shown mercy will receive mercy. And I just, here's what I'm going to say. I don't have the answer. Because if you're like me, I'm asking all kinds of social questions. Well, what about this guy? What about that guy? I know there's a new movie thing out for the, and I use him a lot, the Jeffrey Dahmer show thing. There's a, Jeffrey Dahmer, here's the truth of the matter. Short story is he got saved in prison before he was beaten to death. So when we get to heaven, you're going to be standing right next to him and he's going to be judged the same way you are. Your name's either in the book or it's not. He's got the same reward that you do. Forgiven, shown grace, shown mercy. So my, my question is, why not miss on the, on the side of mercy? If somebody's going to come and people are coming and accuse us of something, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing if they just come. You guys are so merciful. You just show people love. Or they can come to us. You guys are judgmental. You're harsh. You, I can't be comfortable there because you talk about people who have my past. and you, you want me to get rid of my past, but you don't deal with yours. Or wouldn't you rather live on the side of, we're going to show you mercy because he showed me mercy. And I'm not perfect, but you should have seen me before. Right? That's mercy. Mercy is what we're called to, and I'll be the first to admit sometimes it's hard because we want to give people what we think they deserve. But the Bible actually says in the Old Testament there's a prophet named Micah, and he says this in Micah 6, 8. He says, this is what he requires, he being God, of you. He's talking to the people, to us, to do what's right, to love mercy, and then walk humbly. To do what's right, remember if you go back and listen, if you missed a, a few Beatitudes ago, one of the things we said, God was just saying is just do what I told you to. Just do what's right, do what I told you to, love mercy, land on the side of mercy, and then be humble enough to say, God, I can't do this without you. He's really talking about some of the other Beatitudes. So if we start there, if we have the right perspective, remembering God showed mercy on me, one day I'm going to stand before God. Then there's this question, who do I show mercy to? Who, do I, who, am I, who is God expecting me? Is, is there a list so I can go, okay, you get mercy, sorry, you're out of luck. You get mercy, sorry, you're out of luck. All of you get mercy, but the rest of you, tough luck. There's got to be a list because I need some guidance. This gets hard now. Who do I show mercy to? The first one, anyone who makes a mistake. Now, if, if you've never made a mistake, look, look around the room and maybe online, okay? If you've never made a mistake, please stand up. No, just, some of y'all need to sit down now, right? Nobody, no, no mistake-free people. Got it right every time. Got every answer right on your, every test you've ever taken in school. That means everybody had straight A's, right? Didn't miss a thing. No. The Bible says that anyone who makes a mistake deserves some, deserves some mercy. Jesus showed us some of the most hated people, and he showed them mercy. Now, this will tell you what, what kind of church you were raised in. Anybody remember this, this guy? This, 
this song you were taught to sing as a little kid? Zacchaeus was a... Oh, come on. Zacchaeus was a... And a... Right, there you go. TJ's got it. <laughs> you see, what we, what we take out of that, and it's a good children's story teaching a good lesson, but Zacchaeus was hated. He was a wee little man, but he was a wee little man that had a lot of people that hated him. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 2. It says, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He's like the head of the IRS. And he had become rich. Imagine that. So they hated him. And the Bible says that that Zacchaeus ran and the story goes he climbed the tree because he couldn't see and Jesus looked at him and Jesus meets him for the first time knowing who he was and instead of condemning him and telling him all the things he does wrong and all the people he's hurt look what Jesus says skip down to verse 5 and 6 of 19 when Jesus came upon Zacchaeus he looked at Zacchaeus called him by name he knew his name and he said come down today you and I are going to lunch no, by the way, we're going to your house. People went nuts. The religious people went nuts. Constantly, Jesus, even he sat with, there's a verse in the Bible in Matthew where Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew, he, Jesus was in Matthew's house, and the Bible says that the tax collectors and the people of the law were coming and going. And when they came and went, the, the religious folks said, what are you doing hanging out with those people? They're hated. They're awful. They've done stuff to us. They deserve to be canceled. And I think James says it best in James chapter 2, just the end of the verse here. It says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus could have pointed his finger and read him everything he's ever done wrong, everybody he's ever cheated, how he made every dime that he had, but Jesus chose to go, Come here, I need to get to know you. Come down, we're going to lunch. And I'm going to go, I'm going to, the Bible goes on to tell us that his whole house was changed because Jesus showed him mercy. The second one, who do I show mercy to? Anyone who lets me down. Anybody that's ever disappointed me, betrayed me, talked about me, done me wrong. Jesus, in the worst of betrayal, the worst of beating, worst of being rejected, humiliated, did just this. He's on the cross after he's been beaten. They're spitting on him. They're, they're playing cards and gambling for his stuff. And Jesus says this in, 20, in Luke 23. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Actually, the rest of that verse then says, then they cast lots for his stuff. He said this out loud. They heard him say this because they were at his feet fighting over his stuff, and they still fought over his stuff. He showed them compassion. He showed them mercy. But you need to know this. This is, I think, where I landed this week in trying to make these decisions and, and showing mercy. Mercy is not a feeling. Compassion and mercy is not a feeling. It's a choice. Because there's times when you, need to, you know you need to show somebody mercy, but it does not feel good. Right? What make me feel good is to make your head spin around. That's what make me feel good. But compassion and mercy says, no, Jesus didn't do that to me, and I'm not going to do that to you. 
That's compassion. It's mercy. It's a, it's a choice. Paul even writes this in Colossians. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, clothe yourself in this. Tender-hearted mercy. I have a tender-hearted daughter. Actually, both my daughters are. One more than the other. And for her sake, I won't out her. But she's so tender-hearted. She's sensitive to her own feelings. She's sensitive. She recognizes other people's feelings. That's what tender-hearted mercy is. You're sensitive and somebody needs mercy. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Then in verse 13, it says, And make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the one who offends you. Why? Because God forgave you. It says make some room, make allowance. I, I personally think when we, have, when we expect people to be perfect, they're going to disappoint us every time. Because nobody stood in the room when I said, anybody not made a mistake? None, none of y'all stood up. We didn't get any notices online. Hey, yeah, I'm perfect. That's me. You need to make some space for each other's faults. Remember the Lord forgave you. Who else do I show mercy to? Anyone far from God. You know, I never, and I've said this for 12, 13 years now, I never want to have a church just for church people. I want to have a church that people who are far from God can walk in here and go, I don't understand it. I don't really get the lights. Y'all sit, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. That lady always asks me, just stand up one more time. Say hi to people, right? Why do y'all do that? Why do you, why do you, why do I try to make messages, cookies on the bottom shelf so we can all get a part of it? Why? It's because I want people who are far from God to be able to come in and experience the same mercy and grace that I did. I had the same issues that I have, that what I deserved was not to be saved. What I deserved was to be put out. Not being what I did, what, but what I received was somebody said, hey, I know somebody that can help you. I know a God that can help you. It's not just a church for people to come and, and check a box on Sunday. That everybody gets their box checked today. And we stamp your ticket and you feel good for the week. Now don't get me wrong. You are more crucial than you probably know about helping people meet Jesus. And people who are sitting here, the people beside you, just sharing life with them. Ushers, you can do your thing. More important than you'll ever know. But Jesus hung out with these people. They were... Their reputations were terrible. They were hated. And look what Jesus says. This is Matthew chapter 9. Jesus said, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked him this question, talking to Jesus. Why do you eat, and they use this word, scum. Why do you eat with people who have no value? People who just are sucking air, they're not worth anything. That was their view. Sadly, that's the view of a lot of people who claim to be Christians, look at others and go, they have no value. You may not like them. You may not like how they talk, how they look, how they smell, how they act. But that doesn't mean they have no value because they have the same value that you did when Jesus died on the cross for you. The same Jesus died for them. So they ask him this question and in verse 12. It says, when Jesus heard this, I, I just happen to think that part of Jesus, 
The Bible says that Jesus was fully God, fully man, right? I think in his fully man, he had a little bit of sarcasm in him. Because he looked at him and says this, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Right? The, the hospital, you go down to Savannah and you can't find a parking spot at the hospital. It's not because it's full of healthy people. Right? There's sick people in there. The doctors that are there are for the sick people. And Jesus is like, duh. Look at verse 13. Then he added, like that should have been enough. That should have been enough an explanation. But you guys are boneheads, so let me, let me break this down for you some more. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And he's quoting an Old Testament scripture. He says, I want you to show mercy. And in the time, the people then, they would make sacrifices to appease God, to pay before Jesus paid the final debt, they would make sacrifices. And other religions sacrificed to gods to try to make them happy. And Jesus says, I'm not worried about the sacrifice. Why? Why was Jesus not worried about sacrifice? Because the Bible says he, he made the ultimate sacrifice. He made the sacrifice that makes any of ours of any value. He says, I, I want you to have mercy. For I've not come to call those who think they are righteous. In other words, you people who think you're righteous, but you're really not. Go back and listen to the Beatitude about, I think, two weeks ago on righteousness. There's only one way you're made righteous, and it wasn't by doing it yourself. But I came to those who know I don't have it all together. And I think that's where I landed this week. That my perspective has to be, God, I'm not righteous without Jesus. God, I have Jesus, so that's my righteousness. But I'm here for these people, and we as a church are here for people who just don't know Jesus and need somebody to pay the debt they can't pay. That's why I'm gonna give you the last one, and the last one I think probably is the hardest. And that's this, who do I show mercy to? Yourself. That you have value. When you learn that you have value because Jesus paid the price for your debt, then it's a whole lot easier for you to stand up and go, you need mercy. I receive mercy. I didn't get what I deserved. I'm gonna give you what Jesus gave me. Some of you need to let some things go. Look what Paul writes to Timothy. And he says this, even though I once was a blasphemer, that's a big word. That's modern day equivalent of one of us. There's, and we can get into the theology of it, but it's this. It's us looking at God, shooting him a bird and saying to, to God, that's what kind of term this is. And I was a persecutor. He was the guy judging other people's sin. And I was violent, he beat Christians. But I was shown mercy because I didn't know any better. That's my job, is to help you with your unbelief. Look what it says in verse 14. The Bible says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me so much that along with faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus, something changed. He, he saved me. This is Paul now. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he says, here's a trustworthy saying, something you can remember. Worthy of full acceptance in my heart. Christ Jesus came into the world to save the sinners. 
And here's where I landed for the week. And I'm saying this to you as your pastor. Not, or I'm saying this to you as, as Clint, who happens to be your pastor. And then he says this, of whom I am, one version says, the chief of all sinners. I led the way. And if I had mercy and I, I accumulated mercy, then that much more is expected for us, for me to show other people. So I wanna ask you this morning, as you bow your head and close your eyes, where do you land? Is mercy hard for you? For most of us it is, but your starting point to show mercy is the first, like number four, receive mercy. And let yourself believe that you were worth the, the death of Jesus on the cross his resurrection, his now life and love that's been put into you or offered to you. So just for a second, we're going to get out of here in just a minute. We're going to sing one last song. If that's you this morning, whether you're online or you're in the room, and you say, Clint, I need to start this. I deserve this other stuff, but I need mercy. I need the free gift of grace. Some of you may say, well, Clint, I, I was in church, I was serving God, I knew Jesus, but I've turned away. The Bible just calls that repent. You're repenting and starting over. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. If that's you, just saying, Clint, I need some mercy and grace this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not gonna invite you to the front and embarrass you, but right there, I need you just to say, hey, include me, that's me. Anybody else? Any other hands? Then you just simply pray this. You can pray it right where you are. Something simple that just says, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I receive your grace. Give me what I don't deserve. And God, I receive your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. You're withholding the judgment that I do deserve. And God, from here on out, you're going to help me walk, follow you, and show people your love. And God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me? I want to bless you. I know we're heading into fall break. A lot of you had told me you're traveling this week. So I just wanted to take a second at the end of today's service to remind you of a couple of things. If you prayed that or you have any prayer need, there's connection cards in front of you. You can scan the QR code that's in the foyer and that sends it. Uh, lets you send it directly to us. We have a prayer team over to my right, your left, that would love to pray with you. But I just wanted to bless you as a family. For those of you who have already left town, we'll bless you guys as well. And I want you to go enjoy your week. But I want you to hit, hit the pavement in the morning with this idea that, God, if mercy's new for me, then somebody I'm going to come across is going to need me to show them the same mercy that you showed me. Amen? Amen. All right. God, I thank you for my church family. God, I thank you for those in the room, those who are watching online, and those maybe watching this later in the week, God. I ask you to bring them health and life and strength, Father. Thank you. Your angels go all the way around them. Protect them in their going and their coming. God, their lives are forever covered and coated by your grace and your mercy. And I thank you, God, that that mercy we show people. And the volume that you showed us, God, we do everything we can to show other people the same grace and mercy. 
We invite people, Father God, to join us here. We invite people to come experience the same thing that we have because we know they need the same healing that we need. And God, we thank you for it now. Come and have your way in our lives. I thank you for my family. I bless them with a great week. And we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.